0: especially as a woman these highly successful women will share strategies and insights including what not to do and what it takes to win and now here's your host
1: jennifer justice Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. Today we have the amazingly talented producer, artist, DJ Monsta. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. And, you know, for those who are not here, we are in Ibiza, also known as Ibiza, (laughs) Spain. Um, And so we have a very beautiful backdrop here. Um, I want to first get into, you know, what you do and your, your like background, how you got into DJing, producing, et cetera. Yeah, so, I mean, as
0: far as... I wear many hats, including one right now, but <laughs> the, the main thing that I do is I make music and then I DJ. Um, as far as making music and producing, that's something that came out of just having such a deeply rooted love for music, like consuming music, listening to right. music. And then one day I decided, I think I can do that. You know. Really? So I downloaded a DAW, got a... Uh, I think my first one was Fruity Loops, which was not as revered as it is now, but now it seems to be a lot more popular. So I was in college, I downloaded it, started making beats, um, sort of found a community of other producers, um, started going to LA to share my beats with other people that were my peers including artists like flying lotus and we sort of created a scene from that and fast forward you know the main way to kind of perform instrumental electronic music or hip-hop music was through djing so i actually started djing because of that but i was never like a career dj i never wanted to be dj you know i wanted to make music and now it's like i kind of love both and i feel that they're both very different and dynamic skills that i've had to learn to kind of work on but yeah and then here we are.
1: So, and now, yeah, that's it. Easy, right? No big deal. So where were you living at the time? Where did you grow up? I grew up in L.A. Okay. Yeah, a suburb called Torrance. Not a super exciting place, but, you know. But, you know, obviously, as we're here right now, we're in IMS. It's, you know, full of people in dance music, DJs. It's predominantly a male, you know, business. A lot of dudes. Yeah, so right, tell us about, like, getting into that and as a woman and your experience in that. Yeah, you know, um...
0: I've been making music now for basically 20 years, which is kind of crazy. And when I started making music, it was predominantly hip-hop based. And there are not a lot of female hip-hop producers. So in the scene in LA, I was kind of the only one. And also, I'm, I'm Asian. So there's not a lot of Asian female hip-hop producers. And if you did see any kind of um, you know, female producers in hip-hop there was kind of like an aesthetic that people respected. So if you looked more feminine, then people just didn't take you very seriously. Mm-hmm. But I basically earned my way up from the bottom. I was like, I'm going to show you guys that my beats are fire. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I would go out every week to Lomart Park in South LA and be amongst everyone in this, like, very niche hip-hop scene and bring a CD with my beats on it and play it, and everyone would be like, what? Like, this girl? Yeah. And um, even though there were a lot of naysayers and a lot of people saying very unpleasant things about uh, my music, whether I even made it or not, things like that, I just They were questioning if it was 100%, you? 100%. All the time. There's an ongoing rumor that... Uh, two. Uh, one, that I had a ghost producer, so I didn't make any of it. Another one was that... Um, I had a boyfriend that taught me how to make how to do everything which is completely untrue yeah unless my my
1: boyfriend is YouTube then yes you know (laughs) we're all dating YouTube yeah Um, you know it's funny I was at a dinner last night and somebody was telling me a story a man he was saying that like every time he you know puts beats forward um, and it's a female producer they said who did this who helped her with it Mm -hmm. and he points out to them you never say that to me when it's a man You've never, you know, and which is great because that's, you know, that's what you have to do. You have to call out that misogyny. Mm -hmm. And, you know, half the time they don't even realize they're doing it. You know what I mean? So we say it once and like, okay, I got it. But, you know, that was the story from last night, you know?
0: Yeah, that it's baked in that disbelief, this um, subtle just existence of misogyny in production specifically and or just any music tech, right? Engineer, female engineers. yeah. Uh, female music producers, people just assume they're not as good or they're not really doing it or maybe they participated. The thing is, there are female producers that do have co producers, you know, but there are ma- male producers that have ghost producers. Yeah. A lot of very famous male producers have ghost producers that don't make any of their music. Exactly. You know, but then no one's really going after them the way that they do with women and the women with women in particular, the assumption is immediately that she didn't really make that. Right. You know. So do you feel like you've had to work much harder to get to where you are? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think you know, um it's one of those things where when I was starting, there was a lot of different ways to approach music. Like did I want to be, you know, a more scantily clad DJ, you know, and get attention that way. And I feel a lot of women felt like they needed to do that, Mm -hmm. which is not, like, a bad thing. If that's, like, what you want to do, then that's fucking amazing. Yeah, if
1: you can own it, and it's authentic to you. Yeah, exactly.
0: But for me, I just felt as though, like, I wanted to lead with my best foot forward and really represent who I am. And so that meant it was going to take longer for me, Mm -hmm. you know. And it did. Uh, I think I could have taken a lot of shortcuts to, you know, get to higher places much quicker. But I just wanted to, really, represent the earnest, respectful person that I wanted to be, and I wanted to be that representation for women that they, that young women could look for, look towards. In which I never wanted to be a role model ever. Right. But then, as my career kind of grew, I realized that that was a responsibility I had to take on, and I then
1: took on you know right it's funny we are on a panel yesterday and we were asked the question do you feel it's a responsibility that you have as an obligation you know to be kind of like a a mentor visible you know an inspiration Mm -hmm. Um, my answer was you know I do because I'm super passionate about it I really think that the world would be a better place when when wealth is distributed evenly amongst genders you know Mm -hmm. and we don't have this massive gender gap in pay which is 80% this is the United States you know, women make at most 80% and down Native American women make like 40% of what men make in general mm-hmm. in their paychecks and pay equity. You know, I, how that is okay with anybody, I have no idea. Um, and I feel like the more we talk about it, the more people understand the statistics because there's a lot of statistics that are just not shared all the time or people don't know or you know why would you ask if you don't it's not affecting you which is all okay but once you know it and once you see it you can't unsee it and you know silence is complicity so like being able to get out there and, and be you know kind of a voice for other people Mm -hmm. while it can be extremely, um, challenging. And, you know, I always feel sometimes I'm like two up and one down every day. I'm just like, yeah, I want all these great things. And then, okay, great. Now one of my clients got fired, you know, for Mm -hmm. nothing. And, um, so it's a constant like struggle of doing that. So, and, you know, if you take it on and you don't want to do it, then you're resentful of the, of where you, you know?
0: Yeah, you know, you kind of mentioned this idea of it being a responsibility and an obligation. It is both of those things, you know? Like, when I set out to be an artist, I didn't want to be a role... I am not a role model in many ways, you know? But I realized that I didn't have any female role models, and people ask you, like, constantly, the press is like, who did you look up to? And I I know, same, yeah. I was like, no one? (laughs) Like, you know, like, I would list this, like, influential producers are all all men, but that's the circumstantial, they just, that's all that was around, Yeah. You know? And, you know, there's all these statistics talking about how di- people truly benefit from diversity, you know? Yeah, like, of course. And this is across the board, whether it's, like, gender, race, et cetera. And even though I don't set out to be a role model, I know that that's what I have become for a lot of people, and so I want to take that into consideration with everything that I do, that um, I'm the most authentic version of myself, and that, like, I'm not going out saying that I am one. I just, like, choose to be a role model. I just know that I am one. Right. You know, so I think leading by example is just a strong way to prove to everyone that women are very capable. And I don't want to be given handouts just because I'm a woman as well. Right. I feel like that's not progressive. Like, give people what they deserve. And if a woman, if there's a male and a female and they're both really good, consider both. Yeah. You know, and if you're in a situation if I'm in a situation where my male peer is significantly better at me than something then and he deserves it, then perhaps he deserves it, you know? But if I'm just as good as someone or if I'm even better, please consider me and look at what I'm putting forth mm-hmm. instead of looking at my gender and assuming all these things that make me somehow worth less. Right. You know, the music is just as good then fuck fuck with the music. You yeah. Know?
1: All right, so you have this great career we've been talking about, obviously, as a producer, artist, DJ, um, and then you decided to start a company like you weren't busy enough. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Sona and what it is.
0: So uh, Sona is a tech startup that I co-founded with Laura Padamio, who's also speaking later. Oh, she's in the back. So basically, it is a protocol and client marketplace for music. I want to try to think of the most concise way to explain it. It is a streaming platform that allows you to stream, the regular person to stream all music for free that we have available, in which we've cleared, like, millions and, like, over 40 million songs for our platform. So it'll be free for anyone that you create a login, you can do that. On the underside, on the flip side, we have a marketplace and a collecting side. So if I wanted to uh, invest in an artist, I could essentially buy one of their, the streaming rights to their songs within our ecosystem and support that person. And I know it sounds kind of convoluted and confusing the way that I'm explaining it because <laughs> I'm a very confusing person in general. But um, essentially, if you had a song yeah, and you wanted to uh, maybe fund something else, let's say you have songs and then you want to fund your next album, maybe you want to put one of your songs up for sale just on Sona. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put it up for sale. I can bid on it. I can win it. From that, I now have the royalty tokens for your song and on our platform your streaming revenue will now come to me. Mm -hmm. And the streaming revenue comes from transaction fees across the entire client and protocol. So anytime you buy stems or anytime I buy your NFT there is a transaction fee associated with that and that's pooled and redistributed to all the artists based on a revenue share percentage of your streams
1: versus other people on the platform. Right, that's like the Spotify model, right? It's kind of,
0: it's like, I think Apple does that, uh, the pro rata rev share, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's not a price per stream, it's just kind of like the percentage versus the entire pool. Yeah, But yeah, so basically if you wanted to, then I could then buy your streaming revenue just on Sona. And the reason why this is such a great platform and a great concept is because there's no IP involved. You're not selling off your IP. You're not having, you know, you're not fractionalizing your master so that like a thousand people own a piece of it. I find that not really practical, but just within our platform, just the streaming revenue will go towards someone else that decided to invest in you early. And that also gives fans a way to invest in the artists that they truly believe in. And let's say um, in 20, in, in, I don't know, even 10 years, maybe even a year from now, you are as big as Beyonce. I know that I, I helped contribute to that by buying one of your, your royalty tokens early on in your career. So
1: why, what was the impetus to start the company? Um, I think that
0: there is this... I mean, I talk about this often lately. There's, like, this opportunity cost with payment lag, and there's this, like, very convoluted way in which musicians are are paid, Mm -hmm. and we love music, and yet we don't reward the people who create these songs that mean so much to us, you know? That viral song on TikTok, that person is still possibly working, flipping burgers, you know? And their song might have 40 million streams, perhaps, and they can't even pay the rent, that, to, to me, doesn't seem right. And streaming, in general, is just meant to combat piracy in an age of Napster and, and stuff like that. Right. So you can't make music except, like inherently more valuable than it is already, which... Now, music cost-wise, no one's going to go back and start paying for songs again like they used to. Right? Like no one. There's a whole generation that doesn't even know how to pay for an MP3. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> like um, my kids have actually looked at like a CD player and they go, "What is that?" Yeah. Or I know. you know what they said? A, an actual speaker. You know, one that just doesn't that you don't say, "Hey Alexa." Yeah. They were like, "What is that for?" <laughs> they just turned ten. They're like, "What is this?" And I was like, "Oh my God, it's called a speaker." They're like, "You can't talk at it." That's amazing. you know what I mean they're like their generation's called Alpha yeah. so they really are like pay for music yes. you know
0: so you can't go you can't go you can't backwards go back. like that yeah. so the thing you can do is go forward and it's like maybe you're used to paying $9.99 for unlimited songs how about no, free 99 you know but then you create new ways of inherent value in the music that isn't just paying for it like that so now it's kind of like slightly investing in, in a song but it also could be like not investing. The main thing is that you're contributing in a way to an artist that you believe in mm-hmm. and it is a new model. I think that it's, it's disruptive while not breaking the existing music industry, which is obviously very deeply entrenched in the way that it does things. You know, everything's very convoluted as, as it yeah. is very apparent. Yeah. Um, But I would say I can't wait to see because, you know, I can have my songs on Spotify still, but I can also have them on Sona. And it's a different way for you to see how you can make money off music and also a different way to consume music because we're going to be more curator forward. We're going to also reward curators, which you don't see right now on things like Spotify. You have these like playlists with like millions of followers, like the non-Spotify curated ones, mm-hmm. and that
1: person doesn't get anything. They just right. get to know that they have a popular playlist. You know? right, right, right there's no, yeah, there's no like compensation for that, there's no. Mm-hmm. OK, so are the songs that you have already and the people that are coming to you, are there artists that don't have label or publishing deals? Is that um, it, it really depends because like, we have also talked with uh, many
0: publishers, distributors, major labels, etc. It's really up to, if you do have like a label deal, it's really going to be up to the label if you, they want to participate. We're going to start with independent labels and independent artists first. Um, but a lot of labels are pretty down. Yeah. And then maybe just through seeing our, our model succeed, maybe the majors will be able to, will want to participate. But we're not going to do what the existing streaming platforms are doing, which is they paid a bulk sum to a lot of these majors to be like, let me And equity, capital. a lot yeah, of equity. Exactly. We are not doing that. you know it's like you want to you want to come and play come and play but we're not going to pay you to come and play with us you know
1: right so how does it work you know you're talking about the lag time so you know he somebody buys into my song Mm -hmm. no one will want to buy my song trust me but somebody buys into i'll buy
0: i'll buy her song
1: (laughs) somebody buys into my song Mm -hmm. and you buy it Mm -hmm. let's okay let's say you buy it for five dollars when do i get that money
0: um, if I buy your the royalty token for your song, you get it immediately. Okay. Yeah, And then the streaming revenue is every two weeks, or whichever way you want to do it. Right. It goes straight to your account, so it'll right. be fast. But streaming in general does pay out quicker than other forms of, like, you know... No, they, pay, they
1: pay the labels. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is true. This <laughs> and an the label pays. This is true. You know, so when...
0: I guess there's only so much that we can do right now as we launch our beta, but then that's kind of like labels need to get their shit together mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I mean, I also have a music label, and we try to be very... Um, conscientious of paying people on time because even just a month late, like, people are li- like living paycheck to paycheck. If you don't pay them on time, then yeah, again, who's going to pay for your rent, your phone, whatever? You know, your mom's in the hospital. You need to pay people on time. The least you can do is if someone works, is pay them on time. Yeah, yeah.
1: So when you came up with this idea, like, how did you do? I mean, you know, there's a fact that I actually was just telling somebody in the room that uh, women only get two percent of venture funding. And if you're a woman of color, it's 0.5 percent. So that means the amount of meetings that you're taking in order to make, you know, raise any money, you can do the math on that. Like yeah. it's a significantly higher amount of meetings to get your first check in, mm-hmm. right? And you had no experience with starting a company at this point, other than the record label. Yeah, not not anything, not like a C corp. A tech-enabled like, yeah. like C corp. Um, it's learn a lesson. I mean, so how did, you, like, how did you meet your co-founder? How did you guys put that together?
0: Um, I met my co-founder on an airplane. She was a complete stranger sitting in front of me. And then we found out we had mutual friends. This is this whole thing. But like, we, we met because I had this like, elderly Floridian couple next to me that was asking about art. This was on the way to Art Basel. And they're just chatting up a storm with me, just asking, like, what is there to do on Art Basel? What about parties? And uh, she actually chimed in saying that, she was going to this like, FWB party. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but I just told her, oh, you should put them on the guest list. And she was like, well, but I don't know how to do that. And then um, from there, I found out we had a mutual friend who uh-huh. said you guys should be friends. Um, she, she actually came up with a rough concept and I just was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I don't really back a lot of um, new technology and music. I think that... So many ideas out right now are not practical, but when she had said it, I think the most simplest ideas are the most beautiful, and this is it.
1: Right. Yeah. But you guys base it on blockchain? Yes. Yeah.
0: So the underneath the hood, it's all rooted in blockchain, but that's not we're not like a blockchain company. We are a music company using the technology in blockchain to kind of fuel the way that our ecosystem works, and I think that's kind of the most practical way of using blockchain and also... It doesn't have to
1: be like crypto company,
0: like right? The technology it's like transparency.
1: Yeah, exactly. you know, it's all like we we'd been talking about that when I was a rock nation for a long time about like why can't you just see when somebody played your song in a in a Japanese like you know bodega. You know? Yeah. Like, why can't you see that immediately when it happens? Because um, we've digitized everything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, what you, what, you know, how you get paid and who owns it. You know, I, I worked in hip-hop for my, the majority of my career. You can imagine, like, with a sample, you know, the producer bringing in the sample or a vocal sample and clearing all of that. And that, that song had 10 owners on the songwriting. And then Jay-Z had a portion and, oh, like, man. trying to, like, negotiate all of those different um, rights, et cetera. But, you know, and once you put them somewhere where it's transparent, you know, and then it gets all lost in the shuffle. After a period of years, you know, things were written down originally. It's like, how do you know? Where's that one central place to know who owns what?
0: Exactly. And everything's automated. Like, technology's crazy. Look at all this AI stuff. You know, like, why can't that just be... Automated, easy. I mean, in some countries, like you have, they're just manual. You just get like eighteen sheets of paper saying like where your song has been played. That's not realistic. Exactly. You know? So
1: this is more like for a transparency play. On yeah. the block-
0: it's transparency. It's efficiency. You know, uh, one thing I noticed even with songwriters, they get paid last. You know, they have to wait the longest. You know, yeah. There's like several people on a record, so. Yeah. I mean, the future is now, you guys. Like, there's so many things that we can be doing to creating to allow for a more egalitarian ecosystem for musicians so that they can create music. Because that's all we want. Like, your favorite artists, it would be great if they can keep making the music that you love, right? So,
1: so when you put together this plan, right, mm-hmm. in the deck to, like, start the company, who did you go to? How did you raise money?
0: Oh, I mean, Laura, Laura had her resources, and then I had some resources. So just from being in music, I knew people that were investing... Um, she has a background in tech and crypto, so she knew people that were also uh, investing in lots of ventures. And so we kind of just pooled our, our network of people and we're like, hey, we have an idea. You want to take a meeting? And, you know, we're lucky to be around so many people that are allies because everyone, and most, for the most part, was very curious to hear what we had to say. Yeah. And we are s- two smart cookies and we were able to answer every question and present everything in a way that was very comprehensive and... Yeah, I don't know. I'm just really grateful that we were able to get funded like that. And how much money
1: did you raise? We raised close to $7 million for our seed. I mean, that's yeah, like, like... People are right like, that's a really big seed round.
0: Yeah. You know? Exactly. And now we're trying to, like, raise our Series A. And it's just incredible, the group of people. We went from just her and me and an idea that she, like, sputtered on Twitter to, you know now, like, 14 or 13 full-time employees, you know, and we have 401ks, everyone has health insurance and dental and, you know, uh, work-from-home stipends and wellness stipends, you know. And where is the company based? Um, I think it's incorporated in
1: Palo Alto. This no, but I like mean, like, where do people live? Oh, know? everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. And so, it's all remote, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, it's, like, a limited PTO, so as long as you do what you are supposed to do for us, then you could do it anywhere you know right. so it's a very forward thinking company yes. as well and everyone's happy and everyone's doing such a good job and honestly so stoked Like I've never been a part of something that felt this um, cohesive and I don't know just everyone on our team is so invested in just wanting to help other artists. It's, there's, like, this very um, giving component. It's I don't, very altruistic. Mm-hmm. Every single person on there is, right. like, I'm so happy to be a part of this because I love music, and I, I know that musicians struggle.
1: Are the people on it, are they engineer? Like, you're yeah. mostly engineers or in the music industry or a combination? A M-
0: uh, mixture. So we have our seasoned music industry folks, which would be me, you know, like Lewis for example, um, our business development, Khufu. We have um, two amazing designers that are in control of like the entire aesthetic because our product is really fucking cool looking, and then um, all our devs like you know our iOS dev, our you know um, full stack front and all that stuff which gets a little bit more confusing you know for me but extremely
1: techy. did you learn all of this like since that or did you know what kind of components you needed is uh. that to me like in a tech company is always so um, fascinating it's like how do you know who to hire and how do you know they're good like, in, if, you don't, if you don't do it yourself, an engineer, et cetera.
0: I mean, it's, the good thing is Laura has more of a techie background. Yeah. And then I have more music industry. So we're able to kind of divide and conquer in terms of the things that we need. Because to do a music product, you have to be in the music industry. Yes. And so we're able to nail that side. And she comes from design and tech and programming. So she was able to nail that side. We also have Shama, who is also a mutual friend of ours, who is co-CEO, that was able to sort of lead us on this journey as well. And it was very helpful to have someone with... A lot of um, experience sort of leading a company. Yeah. Organizational. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She helps a lot because otherwise we wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be like, I, so I'd
1: I'd DK, I don't know what her. we're doing. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. Okay. So. And when did you raise the money? How long ago was that? I think that was last July. Amazing. Yeah. How many meetings did you have to take to raise
0: it? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at my calendar, it's just like a meeting, 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 meeting. And then, uh, but you get so good at it. It's like an,
1: ex- you like exercise a muscle in your Only brain. And then you know exactly who's interested or not within the first five minutes. Yeah.
0: Most people were interested. And then you had these naysayers or people that wanted to pro- like um, sort of push these like very challenging questions mm-hmm. and you have all the answers, you
1: know. Right. But, you know, look, I, I know from knowing people in private equity that they think investing in the music industry is insane because <laughs> there's a lot of bloated salaries and, you know, we take a lot of risks on new talent and, you know, throw money at them and big labels, et cetera, and, you know, don't invest in the talent they have. So I know people who, like, think it's absolutely insane when people invest in something around the music industry, yeah. you know. So it's great that you found the right people, the people who really believed in it, who, you know... You know, understand the growth and the challenges in the music industry, but you know the music industry is changing too, and how they want to approach artists because uh, you know social media democratized everything, right? And the artists could talk to their fans directly without needing an interim, an intermediary, and it blew everything up.
0: Yeah, that's the big discourse right now in music: the democratization of music. Right. So now everyone can also make music. It's really easy to go and you know buy a MIDI keyboard. You don't even need a MIDI keyboard. You can use like the keyboard on your laptop or your computer or your phone. You know, so everyone has access to music. Everyone has access to making music. And what can we do to kind of facilitate things so that, you know, the playing field is fair for everyone? Because, like, someone in, in Ghana might not have the same, um, you know, access as someone that's living in L.A., even if they're at a socioeconomic barrier, you mm-hmm. know, just because of general access. And with Sona right now, I mean, in some of these, I think in South America and in Africa, they do, like... Spotify is not really as much of a thing there. Like, most people are streaming off YouTube, actually, mm-hmm. for music. And so we're trying to create these, this platform where they can stream music now, you know. And we're just going to all benefit as an entire community from that. As someone who loves music and someone that appreciates new sounds, your favorite musician might not be heard yet. And they might not be able to ever be heard if they don't have access to music consumption or creating, you know.
1: So... When these artists come on and they don't have the support of like a label, et cetera, do you guys help marketing them? What, how, do they, how do people cut to the noise to actually know who they like and, and find that person? Yeah, that I think artist? we're going to you know, um, have
0: some uh, more social outreach components to our company and at large. You know, things that we can do where we could invest in up-and-coming artists and do our, our part in helping the community in that way. It's great because we have a product that will pay for everything, you know, and we can just use that money to, to fund these great initiatives so we can help people uh, that are, you know, in marginalized communities really see if, you know, achieve their goals if they want to create music. Yeah, I don't know. Is this really...
1: Wait, if all the music's free, how is Sona making money, by the way? <laughs>
0: Transaction fees. Okay. So those are all pooled and then yeah. a portion of that that goes out towards the artists, and then... We need to op- operate. So <laughs> some yeah. of that comes back into the company. Yeah, I would But then there'll be a so. point at which that pool is just so large, we, won't, are, we don't need that much money to operate as a company, and that's the way that we think. We want to make a company that's profitable, but the excess of money should go back into the community. You know, we, the excess of money should go back into creators and what we can do to help people. So that's sort of the grander vision for me.
1: And what is the future of Sona?
0: I don't know, just like, I want us, we all want, as a part of this company, to just be able to support culture in any way possible. And if someone's like, you know, we have a music program that was defunded by the government, we want to fund you. If you guys need, um, if you're a small, cool collective in Mongolia and you guys need CDJs, we want to pay for them and give them to you. And I don't know, that's kind of where I see the grander scheme and then we're going to keep working on Sona we have a client hopefully people want to still listen to music and oh, what I didn't I forgot to mention is that we also play nicely so if Spotify wanted to use us as their web 3 strategy they can plug into our protocol mm-hmm. you know if you're a label and you want to create your own like you know micro streaming platform you can plug into our protocol it's for it's for anyone
1: Oh, so it's like a white label as well? It can be,
0: yeah. And yeah. so our client is kind of, our first client that we're coming out with is sort of an example of how you can use our protocol in our marketplace. But we're hoping that other people will plug in and use it and it'll be like a whole thing.
1: Will you expand beyond like music with other forms of?
0: I think so. We, we think about that too because the model can work for like film and, and beyond. I don't know why I suddenly can't remember. I don't know, video games, all the things. I think that we'll test it with music and go from there. And are you guys launched yet? Soon. Our website is launching in two weeks. It's a very cool website. And I think we're going to launch beta some... Just, like, looking for answers. I'm not, like, a date person, but (laughs) soon. Yeah, like,
1: a couple months or something like that. Right. Very soon. And how are you going to get the word out there? Like, you have the 40,000 songs. Where did those come from, and and how are you, you know... We cleared them. We, like, we
0: did the music industry thing. That's
1: why it was good to we had our, like, music industry vibe, you know... um,
0: we like the Orchard or whoever like we talked to all these distributors and publishers the ASCAP everyone so I'm not in charge of how we got the <laughs> library of things he's a part of that but uh, we do have a lot of music and yeah. so like the label that I own for example will be on Sona and use that as kind of a use case you know proof of concept for other labels that want to also end up on there
1: amazing so not only now you're like a producer artist DJ you're also you know a founder of a tech company yep not me (laughs) yeah lots of hats yeah lots of hats with all your spare time right
0: (laughs) yeah I don't know, when
1: these opportunities arise and you feel passionate about something, how can you say no? Well, look, I mean, starting a company, it takes a lot, like, everybody has great ideas, but to actually go through and start and build a deck and find a co-founder and raise money when, you know, the statistics I just said, about 2% yeah. of women getting venture funding and, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of meetings, and then now you're also having to be part of a team where you're managing, you know, um, a team, um, of, you know, engineers in, the, in an area that, like, you probably know more now, but, you know, and to speak the language and try to, like, build a whole product, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. Especially it's... taking on an industry that loves to stay the same. Exactly.
0: Again, I feel like we're really fortunate because even our investors, they want us to succeed. They provide us with all the tools that we need, whether even reading, for example, you know, like um, books on venture capital, Right. You know, and they're just like, hey, you guys should read this. And I don't know, we're just, I don't want to say lucky, but we really surrounded our company with people that are just as progressive as us, that really believe in us, and I think that we don't want to let them down, so we've been just very on top of everything so far, and even timeline-wise, we're good. Everything is just, this is the most ideal situation, I think, for anyone with a startup. It's not easy. I've seen other people try to start businesses like this, and they'd fail, But this was just the perfect uh, combination of the right people, the right time, the right circumstances, the right product. And we got this far.
1: So how are you able to keep your creative process when you're doing on the business side? Because that, is like, I've spent my entire career marrying art and commerce and representing artists. And I know that a lot of times when it comes to the business side of things, they become totally paralyzed and can't continue creating their art. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, you have one time where they can, you know, be artists, right? And then I was always very, very um, strategic when I would, like, go to Jay when he was, like, recording about yeah. when I could talk to him about a business deal. Yeah because it's just like was too paralyzing, right? It's like I'm in this creative brain right now. Yeah.
0: It is actually quite difficult I'm
1: finding now and you know, when I'm working
0: on music and I'm really motivated, I will be in the studio for 12 hours straight. I'll forget to eat, forget to use the restroom, forget to drink water. I'm just so focused on creating this song. And when I'm working on strategy for Sona or even the music label, it's a very different part of my brain that I'm using. Yeah. So um, I'm finding that a lot of things now are affecting my creative output some of it is not even to do with has nothing to do with Sona or the label sometimes it's just because I'm touring too much yeah. Sona's Sona the solution for that you know like as an artist I mentioned at the very top of this conversation I didn't I never I was not a career DJ I right. wanted to make beats I want to make music and so um, music obviously not being a significant income resource it touring so I can DJ and I can pay for my lifestyle but constantly being on the road has really burned me out and I've had several instances of very severe burnout where I was like I don't even want to do this anymore
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how awful of it is it that you start to resent the thing that you love the most right. and so if we can start paying artists what they deserve for their music then maybe they don't have to go on TikTok or like you know I didn't make, start making beats so that I have to do like TikTok dances which I'm never gonna do, um, but you know. So it's like I make music. It's like please, like support me in making music, so that right. I don't have to like try to do all this other shit that I don't really want to do. You know, right. I love I, though I do love touring. It'd be nice to maybe not have to do it so much.
1: You know, right. To make, I'm not a yeah. diplo. I don't. I can't like do it all the time. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. <laughs> so basically, Sona is you created the product that filled the white space for yeah, you. Yeah, I think it spoke to me because of the experiences that
0: I have endured as well as kind of what I've seen with other artists. You know, right. like how the way in which that they're struggling and what can we do? Why are we struggling and no one's coming up with a solution?
1: Right. Yeah. I love it. Solutions are great, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so we got to wrap it up here soon, but I always ask one question um, at the end of my podcast and that is, what is the worst advice you've ever received?
0: I thought about this. Uh, <laughs> the worst piece of advice I ever received was to be like everyone else. You know, as a musician, they're just like, well, you know, like dubstep's real popular, you should just do that. And I was like, no, that's not what I do. And, you know, the music I make, now it seems to be more accessible. When I first started making music, this kind of beat electronic stuff was completely new and people didn't know how to categorize it. It was confusing. I didn't know how to even describe it to people. And... um I realized that even though my career has been slow and steady, it's been steady. Yeah. And I never sacrificed my creative output and my vision. Even if my music is weird, weird is cool. <laughs> and weird means that no one else sounds like you're kind of weird. And if I made music that anyone else was making, I would just sound like them. And no one needs another version of something that already exists. So,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. that you would get advice. For an artist to be like everyone else? Or just like, why don't you... It's more subtle, though. It's not that direct. They're
0: like, why don't you try doing a this? Or like, why don't you try like implementing these things, which is like something that's very trendy? Yeah, and yeah. And I was like, no. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Authenticity. No. That's the yeah. key. That's the key. It's to, tough to be yourself. But honestly, yeah. at the end of the day, your uniqueness will set you apart. And yeah, the struggle is, is real because like people don't like change, but you're going to be that change that really sparks a whole generation of creativity and and newness, you know.
1: Amazing. Yeah. All right, so you've added many hats. Um, Where can people find you if they want to know all about everything you're doing and they heard about here?
0: Uh, I guess tokimonsta.com. That's easy. And then Sona.stream. Right. Sona, if you want to sign up for a waiting list. uh, It's a cool-looking website. And then our our sign-up list and website will come out. Um, If you want to be one of the beta users, you guys should sign up, so
1: amazing thank you for being on this episode of taking care of lady business until next time i'm jennifer justice